Johnny Boyd is in the house. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Step Up to the Mic. My name is Corey. I got my man with the beanie on my right. Hey. Mr. Rick. Rick. I'm, I'm here. Do you have any nicknames, by the way? None that I can talk about. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're pretty raw. You can talk about them in here. Yeah, I know. Well, there's too many to mention at this <laughs> too, point. Too so. many. Cool yeah. beans. And who we have uh, across the table with us is Johnny Boyd. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> and I'm so excited to have Johnny Boyd on this podcast and uh, across the table from us. And oh man, there's so much things we're going to talk about. Um, I pretty much approached Johnny the other day and I said, "Hey Johnny, starting this podcast, if I give you a microphone and if you want to say anything you want, what would you say?" And so he's he's kind of winding up for that, and we're really excited about that. Again, because it's step up to the mic. This this isn't where. You can't be a wuss on this podcast. You're going to have to toughen up and, and talk about some hard things, which I well, think I think you can t- handle that, actually. <laughs> I think so. I, I, might, I might get into trouble. It's <laughs> which, okay, man. Uh, fantastic. That's my worry. <laughs> Even better. It's, it's the hate mail that comes after. Right on. Yeah, but they're going to they're gonna email me. They're not going to email Oh, that's you, okay. So. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm leaving the country. I know. <laughs> that's crazy. So I could just say whatever I want. <laughs> so, so if someone's listening, doesn't know Johnny Boyd, um, tell us just briefly who you are and um, little, just a little bit of backstory of who you are, where you come from, yeah. things like that. Um, my name is Johnny. I'm 41 and uh, I've been living in the Ohio in the United States for almost five years. I was a pediatrician in the United Kingdom. I'm from Northern Ireland, so I have that particular accent. And uh, I came over five years ago to work for Off the Wall Discipleship Ministry uh, leaving behind all our family, career, all that kind of stuff, because I believe God called us to just give discipleship our 100% mm-hmm. uh, focus for a period of time. So I've been working in ministry uh, during that time um, and uh, learning a lot, making a lot of mistakes and learning from, from them, but uh, growing uh, a lot personally and with our family and stuff like that. So, but that season's coming to an end. I'm I'm feeling pretty strongly called back to medicine, um, and I've been fortunate enough to get my old job back, mm. uh, which I loved at the time uh, when I was doing it. So we're leaving in um, like three weeks or something. That's like crazy. That. Our visa expires and we didn't renew it, and we're gonna get kicked out if we don't leave. I don't think I've fully accepted that. I think actually this is all like a big prank, and it's <laughs> just not really gonna happen. And yeah. so it's kind of surreal yeah. when these kind of things happen. Uh, Rick, what was your first impression when you met Johnny, and what have you learned about Johnny? Well, I, as usual, I meet my people at the grind, <coughs> or yeah. some some variation thereof, and. Uh, my first reaction was, wow, we got some diversity in this community after all. <laughs> I know. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, about right, right. damn time. I right? know. <laughs> and uh, and j- then just the uh, uh, the real connection with Johnny was one of my favorite bands is Ren Collective. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so he became my kind voice. of like, like uh, wow, you know, this is even, even more special. But I would meet Johnny usually like walking down the street and he would be leading other people. So I think his leadership... Mm. of walking alongside people was probably what was most, you know, interesting to me. Um, never really got the chance to kind of sit down, but I just knew, you know, he was working in the background and, and I just have such an affinity for those guys over there mm. anyway and what they're doing. And I'm just even more curious how you ended up in Ohio and off the wall yeah. ministry because that, that could be a whole podcast in that, itself. That could but be. And it's got to be a good before you Maybe before you leave, we can talk about that. Yeah. yeah. But, but I also know that, um, there's so much I experienced in LA, you know, being an LA kid and, 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 and where you experienced and what you're describing is what I would describe if I had to go back to LA right now. Yeah. Mm. It's just like, it's just different. Um, here you're very sheltered if you want to be. Yeah. And then you go there and it's just all this, you know, the, the, the social element is on the, it's not on the surface. It's like, 
you can't escape it. It's mm-hmm. just everywhere. Yeah. So I'd be really curious to see, you know, uh, certainly I'm, we, we wish your family well, but um, yeah, it's just been a real pleasure to, to know that you're in the community. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. It's man. interesting. All three of us are outsiders, you know, yeah. coming from yeah. Cleveland, Sandusky area, Northern Ireland, California, um, and which is yeah, we're like we're outsiders. We're outsiders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by definition, <laughs> around here. <laughs> I remember yeah. this episode of uh, The West Wing. I don't know if you ever watched that. It's my favorite program. Showing your age, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Uh, Martin Sheen. He's my boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. I, I know his dad, by the way. No, you don't. <laughs> he was my client. <laughs> really? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, when he played Kennedy. Wow. In that movie that he did. I forget. Rick has all himself. these secrets that I, know, I don't Rick. even know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You just need to get a beer and like, <laughs> yeah. just tell me stuff. Yeah. Just tell me interesting stuff. But he said this, they, they were talking about collecting votes or something. And they were talking about California as being um, like a small version of the rest of the states because it's so diverse and has all this uh, d- different elements to it. And the, the comment was, yes, it is so diverse, but the rest of the states think that California is a mental asylum. <laughs> Pretty there's much. so many no- crazy yeah. people there. Yeah, the but rural communities so. look at the cities like, what yeah. is that? Yeah. You know, they only go there because they need to shop or yeah. see a concert or something. And we're, we're traveling there, as I was telling you guys, in, in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're hitting up the desert, the beach, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. mountains, the forests, and a big city all in one yeah. in one go and yeah. it's, it's like all in california it's kind of cool yeah so i'm excited to see that well johnny welcome to the podcast i already did that but i'm saying i want to know what you want to talk about like what you got a mic i said show up with a passionate conversation what in the world do you want to talk about like what bring us there get us fired up take us there no pressure well i guess on my heart um is I'm I'm trying to work out how to live in the middle of um, the chaos that we're experiencing right now across the world and and um, in America particularly with uh, Black Lives Matter and the the protests and and yeah. stuff, but worldwide with coronavirus and I've been keeping a check of what's been going on worldwide. I'm I'm really worried about places like India and Africa because when they socially distance and the economy goes down, people die in. Mm. They're hundreds and thousands, um, whereas, you know, w- we can't go out and have as many Big Macs. And yeah. but it's a it's yeah. a real deal for for people there, and uh, there's just a lack of awareness about mm. that, um, and because of many factors which I'll not go into. But I, I'm just trying to work out how to live in the midst of that, um, and not get sucked in to places that I don't want to go. Um, yeah, that's. I guess that's kind of what I want to talk, talk okay. about. Okay, I'm afraid of going on a monologue. To be honest, like, why I, not? I, Let's I, do it because that's just not good. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> what What are you? Let, let's ask this question. What right now is so pressing on your heart that it's hard to say? You had to think about it. Going, should I say this? But I really want to say it. Corey, step up. Okay. So I think what's been impressed upon um, my heart more and more is that I don't think that I can be a faithful disciple of Jesus living in the kingdom of God that he describes and be a patriotic person to whether that's America or Northern Ireland or the United Kingdom or the Republic of Ireland where I kind of straddle between. I actually don't believe that I can do that. Mm. I, I'm I'm a bit reluctant to talk about other people, but I don't believe that I can be a patriot and a disciple of Jesus. I think I have to choose. Why? W- tell me why. Well, I see a lot of parallels with what's happening in the United States with what has happened in Northern Ireland. Um, so if you don't know the history of Northern Ireland, we had a civil war. Uh, it was called the Troubles. And there's two sides, the nationalists, who wanted a united Ireland. Um, and they would have been kind of affinity or, or based with the South. And then the unionists who wanted a union with the United Kingdom. And politically, that's what there was. The Northern Ireland is under the, um, the Queen and the government in London. And so back in the 70s, there was a lot of uh, trouble started because the nationalists, who were mostly Catholic, were oppressed. And there was a lot of Protestant privilege 
Um, the Protestants got the good jobs. They had a much higher wage. They had much better living conditions, all of that kind of thing. And the police were all pro mostly Protestant. And so the nationalists would have been uh, treated poorly by the police. There was a fear of the police um, amongst the nationalist community. And so there's a civil rights movement amongst the nationalists that rose up to try and say, hey, we want the equality. Mm. Um, and it wasn't the colour of their skin. It was their uh, political and uh, religious um, um, affiliation. Affiliation, yeah, thanks. Um, and so, what? But what happened was during that civil rights thing, the the army came in and the the police came in. There was a lot of police brutality, and one thing led to another. And then, um, the nationalist community felt that they had to um, be violent to wow. be heard and to to get their side. Like be violent, like how? Well, so there was a lot of shooting. They over the course of was it 30 years, something like that, um, the wow. Irish Republican Army, who were terrorists and, and a, a, a kind of militia squad, like they, they killed thousands of people um, over the course of those 30 years. They set off bombs and um, there, there was atrocities. Uh, there was on other sides, the, the, the British Army and then some of the Unionist uh, paramilitary organisations rose up and they killed nationalists as well. And so it was a hot mess. Um, and I just see all of those things, you know, the privilege, the civil rights mm -hmm. issues, then the police brutality and the we need to be violent to be heard and uh, then we overreact and then we react and, and, and I just see that playing out. But Northern Ireland's 1.8 million people, you know, the United States, the right. 330 something million and I'm just kind of like, if that kicks off like that, mm -hmm. then that'll be like on a whole nother scale. And maybe because of the scale, it won't happen. But um, I just see all of those elements. Yeah. But we've come out of it. You know, in right. Northern Ireland, we had a ceasefire in 1996 or something like that. And we have a better society. And, and I, I feel privileged in a sense to have seen all that and to have grown in wisdom. And But then that helps me to see the mistakes that are being made by protesters and government and and just saying don't do that we've done that before and it went it went badly and actually the ira failed you know they didn't get what they wanted they haven't had got a united ireland their their what they wanted through their terrorism it didn't work the yeah. violence didn't work yeah and the police brutality and the, the the strong arm of the law bringing the army in that didn't work either and mm. um, you know it, it didn't seek to to achieve peace and and harmony so I have a billion questions, but I, I need to think them through. Rick, please. Well, you know, I, I totally see what you're saying. In fact, uh, one of the reasons I left California was God gave me this vision of chaos, fire, mm. all these things happening there because it just seemed like every town, every city had its own little kingdom, fiefdom, right? Yeah. And, uh, um, but what I find interesting in these times, I think I identified more with your first statement is like, how does a person in the kingdom who, I look at one king and I'm saying, you're my king, what should I do? I'm, I'm like talking to him constantly and he's asking me to be the change. And I realize my, my sphere of influence may only be to the door or to yeah. the end of the block, right? And <laughs> then he showed me, well, if everybody does that, yeah, right, then that's what I'm asking you to do. So it's, it, to me, it's more like uh, out of chaos comes clarity. And I think your past experience with that, and, and, and I think much more of a religious overtone with your instance than what we're seeing here, although yeah. it seems like anybody with any kind of statement or mission is under attack. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're le you know, left, right, center, everyone, you know, is within um, range mm. of somebody shooting at you, like mm -hmm. either through <laughs> literally shooting at you or condemning what you believe in um <clears throat> but i also see uh, a, a real potential for progress but a long this is going to be a journey yeah. maybe a 10-year journey to finally see the light of day so there's not like yeah. we're all going to meet over by this lake and we're going to cross over together <laughs> into the wilderness <laughs> it ain't going to happen right right because we're all in our own little wildernesses is basically under quarantine because so. you said i uh, i went through 30 years of this yeah. Is that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. About 30 years of conflict, yeah. Yeah. That's like the next half part of my life. Like, just, like, thinking about, like, it was dark. this. It was very dark. Yeah. It was, and 
I was sheltered from it for a, a large part, um, I, uh, but like the generation of my parents and my grandparents, there there's still a lot of bitterness and oh. different attitudes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what part of the island that you grew up in, um, that you would have had a certain level of indoctrination about this is what you should believe. And mm. and uh, I know some of my friends who are intelligent uh, and. Uh, and loving people and they just can't get over the that you know some of our politicians were ex-terrorists they have killed people and they have set mm. bombs and now they're there are politicians and some of my friends just are, are like that well, we can't do that that like that has to change you, mm-hmm. you just can't let people who have um been as violent as that be in in political uh, give, give them gotcha. political power mm-hmm. but that was part of the peace process, and um, I'm not sure what I feel about that, to be honest. Fin- finish this sentence, both of you. One of the best ways the church can help is... Well, it's going to be... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a sentence like that's got to be a cliche. Like, I, I honestly think, live like Jesus, you know? <laughs> like... People like Martin Luther King, who did so mm. much good in, in circumstances like this, like they were following the path of Jesus. People uh, like um, my oh names, um, South Africa, Nelson Mandela. Mm. You know, th- they're following these uh, principles and nonviolent protest, and and I think very godly principles. Even Jesus himself, in the midst of the the Romans and the Zealots and the uh, and the Israelites. Like I, that's what gives me hope and and excitement is that there's a way to navigate through this and just like like Rick said, it's 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 individuals. It's not some political movement. It's it's people being led in, in a movement that is in the the model of Jesus. Mm. It, he calls it the, his kingdom, and like that's what got me to follow Jesus in the first place was reading the Sermon on the Mount and understanding if I live like this. Like this could work, <laughs> you know. This <laughs> if I if I cho- chose to live like this, and for it's damn hard. Yeah. But if I chose to live like this, this would solve things. Like this could make the world a, a better place. I would love it if if people were, lived like that. And you read Jesus's parables, and he he keeps saying the kingdom of heaven is like this, and it's captivating. It's like I want to live like that. I want my world to be like that. I want my community to to live that way. So you, so you like I'm I'm very practical. Like, are you saying try? <laughs> well, it's try, but understand. I, I think uh, for me, I understand the theory first in things, and so reading the Sermon on the Mount gave me the the theory. It, it, it was like, okay, th- now I see it, and 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 this could work. But then I had to be able to see it and experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so watching him, watching the life of Jesus, uh, you you could say, okay, that's how he's living this out. That's how how he's working. But then practically in my own life, getting involved in Rand Collective with all those guys that we were talking about earlier, um, we experienced the kingdom in a, in new ways and and in fresh ways and in in ways that looked like the Bible, not that just kind of approximated to something close to it that uh, if, if, if you thought really hard about it. Yeah. But something actually felt like that kingdom of, of heaven. And the more that I learn about it, th- the more that I see it's a way forward. It's a way to be a peacemaker. Like Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. You'll be called godlike if you b- become one of these peacemakers. Um, because that's what God does. If I truly live the kingdom with my people, um, living like that in, in harmony and in generosity and in selflessness um, in listening and in, in wisdom um, and not choosing factions and, and, and not being led astray by a certain mm. idolatry of, of equality or capitalism or whatever, freedom, whatever you, you think, right. whatever that idol is, not being led astray by that, but just following, following Jesus. So if I'm taking like the average 40, 50 year old, um, thinking an MBA takes you four years, we've got 10 MBAs and we still don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> so it's like, hell yeah. how much, how many more, <laughs> how much more training can you have? So we still only take communion one time when they serve it. And I'm saying, well, why don't we just go next door, taking a piece of bread and some apple juice or, or apple cider vinegar, whatever it is, and just discipling with people living life with them. And, and my whole thing was, 
what I'm seeing is if the church would just open its eyes and see what's happening. So you can say, okay, Kanye West, it's, it's, it's this or it's that. And I'm saying there is an awakening going on, but it's not going to be the great awakening that people thought mm-hmm. it would be, which is these big churches rising, it's individuals moving to action. Mm-hmm. And when I see an officer saying, I will only kneel before God, to, an, to officers uh, washing the feet of protesters, you're starting to see people who get it and they're setting great examples of what it could look like. Like, like you said, Johnny, but I think what's happening is you, you got to be able to, to get, like when Jesus said they're here, he, they, he knew they were going to take him away and crucify him. And he just went, uh, we just got to, we got to go because they're here. I think it's just living above, above that chaos is what we need to be able to oh. do. And I just can't believe that I can read another book <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. learn any more than I know. And to your point, there's going to be a lot of this trial and error. There's going to be this uh, hit and miss with people. But I also believe that there, it's not universal that everybody will do this. I think he picks a few people to do it. That's mm-hmm. the salt. And we got to go out there and just keep, keep plugging away. I would rather be alive now than any other time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because I feel like this is our World War Three. Yeah. So how are we as a generation going to be prepared to look back and go, wow, do you remember what happened 10 oh. years ago? And look at that to be kind of that springboard of change. Because what happened in New Philadelphia here two Sundays ago, I think people will be looking at that date and go, do you remember that? I think that had right. something to do with what's happened to this town and how it's evolved positively. Yeah. I still believe that. I, th- I think uh, I, I think there's a, a degree of of repentance that we need. You know, if if you yes. want to be part of the the um, solution, and a repent by repentance, I mean repentance is a word that means a turning away. And mm-hmm. I, and I think you changing you, a behavior. Yeah, correct? I think you need to turn away from certain things. And right. this is part of the sort of education or, or learning that that I was talking about because there there is a narrative. There are a couple of narratives out there, but there's a narrative on one side that. Uh, that says that those people who um, are in poverty or in or committing crimes or who are being oppressed by the police, um, they're just lazy. And, you know, the, if, if they just went out and got a job and mm. accepted what they need to do as part of the society, then the, the problem would be solved. And that's that's the narrative on one side, uh, that, that the, it's their own fault kind of thing. The narrative on the other side is that, well, it's because they're, they're just victims and they have no choice and they, they can't do anything about it. And I just reject both of those views. Yeah. Like, I, I think Agreed. that narrative is, is incorrect. And mm. I, as I've learned, I find that... that Neither of those is true, but what has helped me to learn is Jesus <laughs> is the, Jesus ta- talking to to people in those circumstances. It, it's um, that you are victims of certain oppressive uh, things, and 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 even in your own life, you're you're a victim of some of the the sin in your what he calls sin and failure in your own own life. But you're you're also needing to to rise up and, and do something and, yeah. and, and be active. And so the, the, I, I have had to repent or turn away from both of those views, just seeing people as helpless victims or seeing people as lazy, it's all your fault. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to accept those narratives um, because I think they're an ideology. And I think if I do, then that's idolatry. Mm. And that's part of what I'm, I, I said at the start, whereas I don't think that mm-hmm. I can be one of those faithful Republicans or a faithful Democrat or a faithful um, even American, not that I am an American, but I don't think I can be faithful to America and faithful to Jesus at the same time. Mm. Um, because those things, those ideologies stand for something different um, than Jesus and they don't work. But is this any different than yeah. Rome and the Jews as far as, yeah, Rome, we're the conquerors of the world, we're the most educated the Jews, you just love to be ruled. Yeah. You just love to be victims, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And then there's Jesus like walking around, you know? I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is really interesting, you know? But I think what we need is context. And uh, mm. one of the favorite stories that Francis Chan talked to me about was that he went to China to teach them the American church. And so he gets off on an airplane and they put him on a motorcycle and he's thinking, I'm going to die. Yeah. Where are they taking me? <laughs> They take him to this village, 
and it's literally a village, like a shanty. And this uh, village of 120 people adopted 126 kids that had been cast out because they had some kind of deformity. And they had to study the Bible at night under light, and they had to handwrite it because they weren't allowed to have Bibles. And the, and the people would come in and go laughing, like, what happened today? Oh, well, they shot at us. And they're all happy, and they're all celebrating. And I'm just crazy. going like, he just went, he got on the plane and goes, we need to do church like them. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you take the context of what they're living in and live. Yeah. And, and, and your presence and not through your presence, but through God's presence, you're lifting up, yeah. you know, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, I think that's uh, not to, to give you guys, like, I'm trying to earn bonus points, but I feel like that's where off the wall discipleship differentiates itself, mm. because you're, you may yeah. be going to do a pastoral field, but you're going to go back into the kingdom, right. the world, yeah. and you're going to do what you do, what we train you to do, which is work alongside of people who just assume cuss you out, yeah, Slash your tire, yeah. Um, poison your food, whatever it is, because of, of what you believe in, you know. So, so I do think we need all need context, and I think uh, the other thing is history will repeat itself if you don't learn. Yeah, I kind of want to answer my own question. Uh, what was the question? Did I you asked? have a question? Uh, the question I asked uh, the the best way, that, one of the best ways the church can help is, and um, so being in what well, I, I was a server in restaurants for like a decade, right? Um, some of those places that I worked, they taught us this. They taught us last, L-A-S-T. So anytime uh, a food would go to someone's table, something was wrong, um, something, and you could tell the customer, um, well, they're called guests, you don't call them customer, but the guest was um, upset, you would listen, and then you would apologize, then you'd solve the issue, and then you would thank them for bringing the issue to attention. Um, and they said, if you practice that in a genuine, real way, that person would three times more likely come back to your restaurant and even ask you as a server. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be applied for so many different things about relationships, whether it's marriage or friendships or whatever. But to be honest with you, I would love to see the church not be quiet about on everything that's happened, get involved press in and listen, apologize, like repent of what you're talking about, if things were pending. Think of the issues that they need to solve in their own context, their own community, and then thank the people that have brought it to their attention. I mean, you talk about humility on all ends of that. I just imagine what kind of unity would come out of that if the church would be willing to walk in that. In that rather than, I have opinions, I have answers, I have thoughts, I have my own experiences, and this is everything I want to tell you. Because if that person gets the food, and I say, well, the last time I ate that, it didn't taste like that. Or, have you tried it tasting, or, if you would have came in here, if I, you, all, the customer doesn't want to hear that. The guest doesn't want to hear that. The guest wants to know that you're, that you're entering in, and they feel loved in that moment, and you're going to help them the best way possible. So that's what I would say to my own question. Is that true or false? What do you guys, what do you guys feel off that? Like, I think that's a true and false <laughs> statement. <laughs> I just respect the heck out of you guys, so I just want to make sure I said that correctly. And <laughs> I think it's, I love the last. I've heard you say that in off the wall lots of times, and it's great. I, I think it's a really good thing to remember. I think I think the church has been too political and not political enough at at the same time. Too political mm-hmm. in the sense of the church has a lot of the church thinks that if we just get the Christian president and, you know, follow Christian values and get right. more Christianity into our law, then the country will be a better place. And I just think that's wrong-headed thinking. Like so what would you say? Tri- we've tried it before. There have been Christian presidents, and it didn't make the thing better. And America is not a Christian nation. Sorry, I, right, right this, this is where I'm going to get I, here. I agree yeah. with you. It's not a Christian nation. And so stop trying to make it right. make people who don't have the Holy Spirit and don't want to follow Jesus live like they follow Jesus. Stop trying to do that because you're never going to transform a, a, a nation of this world into the kingdom of right. God. It, right. That's not how it works. And as an outsider, I feel like I, I see a lot of this and and it's just it's just wrong headed headed thinking. 
that's not what the kingdom of God is, transforming America into it. It's never going to be that. America is actually the opposite mm. in many ways of yeah. the kingdom of God, and it needs to be called out for that. It's a power struggle against the constitution of America and the kingdom of Jesus. These things are in diametrical opposition, and we need to re- uh, realize that and st- stop being so political in that way. But I think at the same time, the church hasn't been political enough because it hasn't spoken out and taken stands on these things. Mm. Often because when it does take a stand, it chooses a side. It chooses a worldly side. Okay, our, our church is a Republican church or our church is a Democratic church because we do all the social action kind of thing. And you're choosing a worldly side rather than choosing the side of Jesus and his kingdom. It, in a, in a, a practical way, I'd say, like, there are so, I know so many Christians who would die for the constitution of America, but not for the gospel. And you're like, what even is that? Mm-hmm. Like they would die for the second like amendment. What kind and of right Christian are you? What, yeah, <laughs> yeah. stop calling yourself a Christian because that's not what that is. Right. They would die for the second amendment and uh, don't take away my guns, but not even stop to, to ask Jesus, would you have a gun? Like, do you think I, I should have a gun? Like yeah. now I'm a disciple of Jesus, should I, should I bear arms? And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm not giving you an answer to that question. Right. But I'm, I'm saying that, that you need to put Je- what Jesus is telling you to do first. Also, like the things that you hold dear, that my kids are made to say the, the Pledge of Allegiance every morning at school. And the rule of law, pretending that the rule of law, that the American legal situ- um, system is Christian, it's just bonkers. Like, those are not Christian laws. And yeah. th- that democracy is a Christian thing. The kingdom of Jesus is a dictatorship. It's not a democracy. <laughs> you don't get a Amen. say. Yeah. And so stop trying to, d- that's, to, that's to um, export this democracy and thinking it's a Christian thing to do to influence the world by bringing democracy to it. Because democracy is not a Christian thing. You don't get a say. You do what you're told in the kingdom of, of heaven. Mm. And that's better for you and freedom this idea of like this is all these things in america this freedom democracy rule of law freedom according to the kingdom of jesus is a different thing it's a different thing from this absolute autonomy that that uh, that american constitution tries to bring you it's a mm-hmm. different thing and like capitalism we think capitalism is this christian thing and it's not right capitalism oppresses people and harms so many people i'm not saying that we should be communists that's d- equally ungodly as well the kingdom of jesus operates on stewardship it says you don't own any of the things that are in your possession yeah i do they belong to <laughs> they belong to god <laughs> and you get to decide freely decide what to do with them that's what stewardship is it's this something between capitalism and communism and so as an American Christian, stop trying to live out this freedom, democracy, capitalism, rule of the American law as if this is what you should do as a, as mm. a follower of Jesus. Because as a follower of Jesus, you should be doing different things than that. Mm. I love it. That's, that's was, awesome. They, Holy Spirit just showed up. I know. Well, that's <laughs> the beauty of these podcasts. What, is, what would you say to someone that says, oh, did they take God out of the government? You can't take God out of the government. Like, how would you reconcile that with someone's statement with that? I think there should be a, a faithful presence of Jesus followers in the government to to represent us as the way that this government works. It, that we should have a representation um, in there. Uh, but I I don't want our Christian leaders to take over the government, mm. and and I think that the government should be allowed to govern well within the system that it's set up and the government should follow democracy and capitalism and and law and freedom because that's the way it's set up it should be coherent and and that's what what they should do but there should be a christian presence that's faithful in there that asking questions of will that bring peace will that bring justice um what about this here's an alternative here's something i've learned from jesus or from scripture do you think that that might make our country a better place but not trying to impose these you, you can't ask non-Christians to live like a Christian. Amen. For, spiritually speaking, they don't have the power. Right. Um, mm-hmm. People will not like me from saying that. And they don't have the motivation and they don't have the drive. They're not trying to do that. They're trying to live for something else, be that their country, their family, um, just plain goodness or, or, or trying to be the best patriot that they can. They're trying to do something different mm-hmm. but, and from what a, a, a Jesus-following Christian is trying to do. And so... I don't think we should set up laws or a way of government that uh, that 
work only works for Christians or, or is, it, is it a Christian way to, uh, of doing it? Like these people who think that if you just make same-sex marriage leg- illegal, that people will start living more in line with, with the Bible. Like that's just nonsense. Uh, like they, they won't do that. Right. Laws don't create mor- morality. Yeah. And you shouldn't make a law for every moral thing. Like there's no law against adultery, even though we all accept that adultery is immoral. Mm-hmm. But there's no law against it because you can't, you shouldn't make laws about every single moral thing. Mm. You can't actually because it would be, your law book would be tens of thousands of pages long. It's not that's not the way it works. And so let people who aren't trying to follow Jesus live in uh, uh, as best they can. With, <laughs> I, I think, but have a faithful presence of Christians among there saying, look, are these things going to result in, in goodness? Are they going to result in the things that you want? Here's some wisdom from the Bible, from Jesus. And actually, I would compel you, you should look into this more because I think it's really valuable and really good. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm not a history, I love history, but I'm not a history nut as far as just understanding how this country was founded. But um, I do believe that uh, um, what I see in society is this need to be heard and need to be right. And <clears throat> Jesus would just, you know, go down to the ground and start drawing things and asking questions. And before you know it, everybody had left because they had already been convicted without yeah. him saying anything. And I think... Uh, the thing I struggle with is pacifism. Um, oh. I'm not really good at turning the other cheek, and that's probably <laughs> if one of those things were if push came to shove. I, I just don't think that that is going to happen. You would turn your cheek once, and once then, maybe, and then yeah, after that, I, I, you know, I got this vision of John Wayne, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like get your best shot in Pilgrim, you know. <clears throat> but there's this uh, American ideology. That, that I feel like I'm born with, and it, it makes us feel like we, are, we have this ability to uh, save the world when we can't yeah. even save ourselves, right? So, uh, but, but I do believe that the religious leaders I, I look up to are never at that level where you see them on a national stage. They're just people that I go, man, I want to be like you. Yeah. Like how you live your life and how, you're, how you raise your kids and how you just care for people is a, is a better example mm-hmm. for me than somebody who, who has a, you know, billion follower podcast. It's just how you live your life. And yeah. So I was, yeah. I was exposed. Um, what's today? Today, today's, today's right. Friday, right? So on Wednesday I was exposed to this, um, to myself because Tuesday night we were at the Boyd's house, right? We were at your house talking about, let's see if I can get this word right. Contextualization. Yeah. Right. In, in mission and uh-huh. um, kind of talking through this um, white savior complex. Complex. Right. Yeah. Am I saying all these words right? Right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I'm pretty pretty proud of myself. I did I pronounce all that correctly. <laughs> well done. My wife usually is just like sound it out. Come on. I'm like okay. <laughs> Yellow. Okay. Great. Um, and so, anyways, um, so I went to meet with a friend in Panera on the next day because I because. Cause I was sitting at your table trying to understand what you're trying to say with the Muslim culture and everything. And so I, I even walked away going, I know I asked a bunch of questions, but I don't know if I fully understand what they're saying. And so the next day I'm sitting in Panera with my friend, Ron, who's in Canton, uh, met him in Bible school. And, um, Ron is, um, like half black, half white. And, and he's, he's just going through a lot of this up in Canton. And, and, and so I got together with Ron and talked to him about everything. He's educating me, talking to me, helping me. And then I opened it up my heart about um, wanting to learn Spanish to help the Guatemalan culture here in New Philly because that's our context of, I believe, who's oppressed. Yeah. And um, I said, Ron, you know, like, okay, I want to learn Spanish, and then um, I want to get a Guatemalan service in our church, and then, uh, like, do we, do we put someone on staff one day? Like, do, like, the, like, all these things. And Ron simply looked at me and said, Corey, learn Spanish, make relationships, and jump into what they need. And I was just sitting there convicted. It was like everything we talked about the night before just caught up to me in that moment. Because mm. it was just exposed to me, like, this this ideology of, it, there's just a wickedness in my heart that I don't even see of me wanting to fix. Yeah. Fix what I don't like, where that's, I don't even think that's what they desire. They probably just want people to come into their world 
and fight the fights that they desired to be fought for, you know? And so I was thinking about what you were saying, Rick, and like hearing that. And I'm like, that literally happened Wednesday. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's the American model is uh, be like us. So we'll make you like, like I us. got the answer. Right. Yeah, and I feel like what we've done is, I mean, we're lucky to sur- have survived this long. We haven't been in existence that long, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I do think that um, what makes this country interesting is bringing people from other countries. Yes. Who see what they're leaving and what they can do here. It's a, it's this opportunity. We're a land of opportunity, right? And I do feel like somehow we miss that. It's it's uh, it's opportunity for some and not all. And and uh, but I think there just has to be. I love law and order. I think that's always important. But um, we're just in this. Um, season of extremes huh. yeah. and uh it's unnerving and and you have you being a young father um it, it has to be in particular challenging how do you reconcile that's a good question what you're experiencing here like they're almost going back five years that's a long time for them right so your oldest yeah. is what she is almost 17 Okay, and then from 12 to 17 is a huge growth for Mm. her. It's not a scary thing, but I think it's funny. I think what I would do is just, I think your daughter's going to be the smartest person in the room. (laughs) Because she's going to say, Dad, Dad, (laughs) like, this isn't isn't bad. Or why is it the same here as there? I just think it would just be interesting. I would just love to have a podcast with her because I, I feel like the visions of what they see and they they don't see color like I saw. I didn't yeah. see color growing up until, gosh, I didn't even see uh, like half the bank I worked with in the eighties was probably half the men were gay. Hmm. I never like felt different. I just felt like this is normal. I mean, I'm working with people, and I need to build a relationship with you that we can get this job done. It was never. I gotta be. You gotta be like me, and I gotta be like you. And so no, we just like we just work together. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, everyone's polarized with the identity. We yeah. we could have a whole conversation on this identity crisis that's happening, because like you gotta be like Mike, or right. you gotta be like right. LeBron. You gotta be like. Or there's consequences. You don't. Uh, yeah. It's almost like that threat coming out. Yeah. 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 One of the things that we wanted to do when we were moving. Um, was expose our kids to a different culture. Mm-hmm. And um, that was something we really looked forward to and we didn't know how it was going to play out. And I don't know if we sh- still know how that has played out, but I think it's been a very positive experience to bring our kids from um, a UK, Northern Irish culture to an American one and it's given them a bit of perspective. It's one of the things that I say to our disciples at Off the Wall all the time, go and travel. You know, so many Americans don't even have a passport and, and they, they think they've been to exotic places when they've been to Tennessee, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm just well, like... if you've been to Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would kind of feel that way. Yeah. 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 I'd be like, oh my gosh, but No offense Tennessee. to our friends in Tennessee, but... <laughs> no, but get a passport yeah. and go to Southeast Asia. Mm. And, yeah. you know, then, yeah. then you're traveling, yeah. then you're seeing some yeah. people who, who are different and they don't have you know, a McDonald's on every corner and you have to actually eat crickets and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you're actually getting an experience which will broaden your horizons and broaden your mind. Yeah. And I go back to, like, a, I'm, I, I said, I'm reading the exile literature in the Bible and, um, like, Rick, you bring up a, a great point. Like, how, how, do you, how do you do this? And um, I look at, I've been looking at the life of Daniel, just trying to really work out how he's navigating living in Babylon, but staying faithful to Yahweh. And um, there's, a, there's a privacy to his life. You know, he, he kind of, in a sense, he kept himself to himself, mm. didn't impose his values on other people. Three you know. times a day he prayed for hours or something. Yeah, like that. But, but he yeah. also said, I'm, I'm not going to eat your your food. food right but you can eat it you know yeah. go ahead mm-hmm. and, and, and do that i'm not imposing i'm not saying that you should live like an israelite he's not trying to turn babylon into israel yeah um but i think it's in jeremiah there's a, a jeremiah prophesies and says serve the country that you're in serve wh- where you are um because you're not coming back for a while and yeah. i think we're in a similar situation we're waiting for the kingdom to be realized we're we're waiting but serve where you're in mm. and there's a there's a private element to that 
in uh, that you should just do be faithful in your own circle in your own little way but there's also a public element that daniel had that at moments and these are years between these moments but at moments he was called upon to share his wisdom with the country and and improve the country you know the king had a dream and he had to interpret and all of the other wise men and sages couldn't interpret the dream um but daniel could and the king was going to kill all the other wise men and in a sense, that would have been advantageous to Daniel because then he's the only one left. Yeah. Um, and these guys probably would have been, in a sense, competitors or enemies to him. But Daniel went and said, don't kill the guys. D- don't. D- that's bad for the country mm-hmm. um, to get rid of all the wise men. Um, I'm going to try and answer. And it's not me. It's, it's my God who gives, gives the answer to this dream. But don't kill those, those other guys. And I just see that um, when you're called upon to be, to enter into the public, Mm-hmm. More the public sphere, and um, just try to do that faithfully. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I would love to see a revival in New Philly. You know, I've been yeah. praying for that, but I have to give up um, the desire that New Philly is going to turn into this Christian utopia mm-hmm. or Mecca, or that it's ever going to be a Christian town. It's not. And God doesn't right. want that. That's not what the the kingdom of God plan the right. the plan is. I just appreciate how consistent you are in your thought process, by the way, because that just goes back to ten minutes what you were just talking about, what yeah. you just said. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Johnny, a question I have for you is: When you came to off the wall, did you feel you were going on a missions trip to the U.S. Hmm. versus somebody leaving the U.S. and going to Southeast Asia or a Muslim country, did you feel like it, this was like a missions trip where you were going to bring maybe your view of the kingdom here? Um, no. I, uh, partially. Okay. I, I think partially. Um, I, I, was tr- I was more focused, I think, on trying to work out um, American Christianity and how to, how to help people within this context follow... Um, the kingdom of God, which transcends my culture, or mm-hmm. uh, and trying to find that common ground where we're both um, an American Christian and a Northern Irish Christian, we're both uh, like following the same thing, and the, and really the, the seams in that are are hard to see. And and I think we've actually done that. You know, we're we're so united in what we're trying to do and the vision that we have of what we we see people seeing people grow. Um, but at the same time, I think it was more from a professional point of view. I've been pretty highly educated and was a doctor for 13 years or something like that. And so I did have a bit of a savior complex of coming into ministry and giving them some professional guidance and uh, bringing a bit of intelligence into it and bringing a a certain level of of, uh, study. I'd studied a lot of of apologetics and I I felt like I could could, uh, improve things that way. Um, And a funny story in my, my... first or second year at off the wall is I think it must have been my first year I was discipling this young guy and my discipleship just looked like a doctor's office because I'd been a doctor for so long and yeah. so this guy came along and I spent uh, qu- quite a few sessions with him just going through his, his problems until I could make a diagnosis okay yeah and yeah. I, I, di- <laughs> I diagnosed his spiritual condition after you know we, we had met up for the, uh, the first month or so and I said this is what's wrong with you if you uh, don't do anything about it, here's where it's going to go. That's your prognosis. Yeah. And then here's some investigations that I've carried out and you have watched you do this. I've set you a few tasks and, and here's some of my investigation results. And so here's my treatment plan. You should, you should do this, this, yeah. and this, and you'll, you know, you're, you're, you'll grow. Your spiritual life will get better. Um, and <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it was terrible you know it, that's just not how you disciple people um but i had this kind of framework that i was bringing and thinking that i was going to improve the standard of discipleship and i tried my best and, and applied it as best i could and it just didn't work um now i don't think any of my i don't think my diagnosis was wrong actually if you know this guy you'd probably agree with, <laughs> agree with you. Yeah, yeah. um and in terms of a treatment plan, you probably say, yeah, that would be a good idea if we'd actually did do that. But it was my approach I was t- I, of trying to heal him in a way or fix him. Um, and just that clinical approach to discipleship. And so in my second year, I had to, I just had to be like, 
okay, I have to do something completely different because that was horrible. Um, and so I, I, I did come thinking I'm, I'm God's gift to Off the Wall um, and New Philly in a sense. Uh, and I had to repent of that and had to change my ways and, and I got humbled. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. In, in that process. Yeah. That's good, man. Johnny, let's lay in the plane because we're approaching the 50 minute mark. Um, hard to believe, huh? Hard to believe. Yeah. I know. Um, and you're gonna you're gonna end us, okay? Give give a charge. You got a mic. Everything you said. What would you say to someone listening in right now, pressing in? So if you're listening to this right now, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to put down if you're cutting vegetables or if you're chilling, doing multitasking. I want you to stop right now. Take a deep breath. Sit down. Be still. And I want you to listen to what Johnny is going to say. So, Johnny, what would you charge the listener with? I think if you've taken a side in this division within the country, I think you should stop and listen. Find someone, uh, not a Facebook post or, or, or a book, find a flesh and blood person who completely disagrees with you and make them your friend and spend some time with them and listen and talk to them. Um, and I would encourage you to look at the kingdom of Jesus and see what Jesus has to say to um, in his context to a divided uh, people and see how you think that uh, grace and generosity and loving your enemy and uh, living a, a, a faithful life might change the way that you navigate. Um, if you are a Christian, then you need to repent of the worldly um, uh, causes that you've taken up, um, the pol even the political causes or uh, that you've taken up. And I think you need to turn away from them and find what the alternative to those things are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ and find a group of people who are trying to do that too and and uh, try and build that community. Thank you for listening to another episode of Step Up to the Mic podcast. Feel free to reach out to me for any questions or feedback. Hope to hear from you soon.